Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns, Mom and Dot 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 writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate, and today I am an ACL Music Festival counter downer. I think it's two more days. Ah. Yes, I'm not very yeah. good at counting down. Two days. <laughs> well, and who knows what day it is because we had a day off, and I know. And I you know, know what? Zoe's home today. I just scared the crap out of myself. I forgot because the the lower grades are taking PSATs today, oh, so they uh-huh. sent the seniors home to do I don't know. Fill oh, that's out nice. They made them go at our school. Well, they're making them go back for like an hour this afternoon. But I totally forgot. And I was like, oh, she left her light on, and I opened her door, and I was like, her backpack, <laughs> her backpack is here. How strange! And then I. <laughs> look up and she's just staring at me in a bed. I almost screamed. So yeah, I do not know what day it is or which nope. children are home. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God there's not more than two to keep track of. I know exactly. All right. I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot, 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 writer, foster child advocate. And this week, Dr. Mom, I just uh, sent one back to school today and hoping the other one doesn't fall. Uh, flu be gone. Seriously. And this week, we are so excited to be talking with Kat Velos. Kat is a speaker, facilitator, certified coach, and the author of We Should Get Together, The Secret to Cultivating Better Friendships, as well as Connecting from Afar, A Guide to Staying Close When You're Far Away. I love that one. I know. Since the early 2000s, Kat has been designing and facilitating transformative programs to help adults cultivate a greater sense of belonging in their personal lives. And she helps companies retain staff by supporting them to find a belonging and connection at work. In her former career as a user experience designer, she worked for Slack and Pandora and was profiled in Forbes for her work as the founder of the Bay Area Black Designers, which she ran from 2015 to 2022. She's the creator and facilitator of Better Than Small Talk, an immersive experience of authenticity and connection that's been held in Seattle, Oakland, and Berkeley, and is now available as a set of conversation starter cards that we are ordering. I, well, I already ordered the calendar. I'm oh, so good. excited. Yeah, it has a, a conversation starter a day. I'm so excited to get that. I know. I love it. I'm getting it for my husband for his stocking because that's his like biggest anxiety thing is how do I start a conversation? Yes. Welcome. We are so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It is great to be here with you. Thank you. And now, as impressive as your bio is, we know that there is even more to Kat. So can you share a little bit about where your career started and how it's progressed? And I'm sure there's been some things that have impacted your choices along the way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've definitely had a a varying thread of things I've done in my career, but they all, uh, in my mind, really do string together. So I got my degree in graphic design and I started out right after college doing editorial design in the publishing industry, working for an alternative news weekly in North Florida, which I'm proud to say was the only source of progressive news in uh, an entirely generally conservative area. Yes. Um, and so, We're in Texas, but Florida kind of out Texas is Texas sometimes. sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it was a super, super rad, very um, progressive, very forward thinking, award-winning Newsweekly. And I was really, really glad that I started my career there. It really, that was one of the things that definitely impacted me along the way. And it's something I think about almost every day. And then after that, I I decided to leave that job and do a year of AmeriCorps. And after that, I got involved with nonprofit work for several years, 
uh, mostly working with youth doing nonprofit youth empowerment, creative empowerment programs. Because at one point I thought I wanted to be a teacher and I was like, no, I don't really want to be a teacher, but I, I enjoy giving back in this way. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, I want to go back to design, but the world had changed dramatically in seven years. Yes. And so the type of design that I was really drawn to was user experience design, which is a combination of research and really investigating, like, what is the problem someone's trying to solve and how hmm. can we help them meet that need? Uh, it, was, it felt like a mix of service and design. Um, yeah. And there is a thing called service design, but anyhow. Yeah. So I did user experience design and product design here in the Bay Area for the last seven years or so. And so I think that one through line in all of those things, even though they might not seem connected, the thing that is clear to me is that they were each connected to my wish to make a positive difference in the world, mm. to be creative, to be useful, to be of service, and generally just not feel like I'm wasting my life. Yes. <laughs> and that was the yeah. way that I wanted to, to be of service in the world. Oh, we love that. We talk about that all the time, how nothing we've learned is wasted. Nothing yes. we've done is wasted. There's so much to pull from. Um, yeah, Zibby Owens that. really was talking about that a lot mm -hmm. when she was on as far as nothing goes to waste. It all mm -hmm. it all serves you somehow. Yeah, eventually. it all informs everything we're doing. And we really loved the intro to We Should Get Together. It's really relatable for a lot of adults. So why why this topic and why did you want to write it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I moved to the Bay Area, and I talk about this a lot in my TEDx talk, one of the things that was kind of um, interesting in a confusing way is that I was meeting lots of cool people all the time, but I was having a hard time holding on to my friendships. So it was very easy to meet cool people and be like, wow, this is so great. I'm meeting all these new people. But then when I wanted someone to hang out with, it was like, oh, I needed to make plans six weeks in advance if I want to see somebody. And that's yes. not to me what friendship is all about. No. <laughs> and so I started digging into this topic using uh, the same process I was using at work, doing user experience design and research and, and investigation and qualitative interviews. I started doing the same thing with friendship. And I started doing that around 2015 to say like, why is it that so many adults that I meet say they have the same problem I'm having, which is like making and keeping their friends after they turn 30, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was popping up all over the place. I was studying it. I was researching it. And it was troublesome to me that I didn't find a lot of resources available on this topic. So for example, uh, one time I walked into a bookstore here in Oakland, a locally owned bookstore. And I, and I asked the woman at the counter, I said, can you point me in the direction of your books about friendship? And she was like, we don't have a section for that. There, we don't have any books about that. Yeah. And I, she was like, we have a section about romantic relationships. We have a section mm -hmm. about family relationships, but we don't have any books about friendship. And I was like, is this a problem? Yes. And so then I went to Barnes & Noble, which is like a big store, right? And the mm -hmm. same thing. I was like, where are your books about friendship? And they were like, you can look in the psychology section. Like there wasn't really <laughs> yeah. a clear place to go, even Nobody though there knew were, what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. And there was a really small number of books out there and you really had to like dig and dig to find them. And so I was like, fine, I'm going to write a book. And so it really felt to me like a conversation we needed to be having, not just because friendship is an important thing, but it is connected to the loneliness epidemic and the like mm -hmm. far reaching public health impacts that actually has on our society. If we have people in a state of chronic loneliness for a long time, it's really, it's not good for them. It's not good for our society. So yeah. um, I felt like this was a conversation we needed to be having. And I, because I'd been looking into it for years, I also felt like 
this is something that's going to come to the top of people's awareness. Like this is a topic that's going to blow up. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to bring it to people's minds, but it's going to happen. And it just so turned out that the pandemic is the thing that brought it to people's minds when, oh gosh, we're in lockdown. What does it mean to be truly disconnected? What does it mean to really not see your friends? And how important does it suddenly become to you when you in that situation. So that's a very long answer. <laughs> no, we but have excellent answer. There's so much to think about there. And part of me just keeps going back and forth as far as like almost the pop culture feeling of friends. So even though there's not a section of Barnes and Noble thinking about friendship and really having a smart discussion about it. I mean, half the books out there, half the movies, you know, are about these friendships, even the show friends. Mm -hmm. It always, the pop culture or the old TV sitcoms we used to watch are always just like these friends popping by, you know, or Mm -hmm. they just, you know, the doors open literally, and they just kind of come in and out of each other's lives. And I think a lot of us hold ourselves to that definition of a friendship and feel like failures because I can't think of any other time except for maybe in college when literally like we had a door open people might just pop in in fact like I get I get a weird like like my whole body tenses up when I think of the idea of just someone popping by so (laughs) so I'm just curious like is there this disservice with this way that you know pop culture or whatever defines friendship and what that actually looks like in someone's day-to-day life a meaningful friendship yeah that's I I love that you said that I have a, a section in the book where I talk about how different the pop culture representation of friendship is from what it actually looks mm-hmm. like in our real lives. And what does it mean that we, you know, whether it's the show Friends or, you know, for me growing up, it was also like Melrose Place and like yes! Nine, two, one, oh, and stuff, you know, and I was like <laughs> yeah. growing up, I was like, that is the ideal of friendship is like you're in this place, your friends are in and out of your life and your apartment all the time. And right. that's just normal. But in reality, that's not real for many people, either because like you, Suzanne, they either feel like they would be uncomfortable with that or it's just truly not possible because your friends are a 45 minute drive away. You got to look for parking and all these other things, right? (laughs) Or even if they are across the hall, I wonder if anybody did a pie chart of the amount of time the friends hung out to with each other in each other's apartments. Like that's probably half of their lives. Like how did they mm-hmm. even like go to work? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother. And we that's the whole, whole like that. fiction TV. <laughs> yeah. So much wrong with that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's only so much time in the day, but I love yeah. how this book is so actionable and it's so smart and it's, it's just a, a friendly, a friendly way of, you know, <laughs> helping us holding our hand along as we try to have these adult relationships. And I hate to jump to the end of the book. We're going to, we're going to jump all over sure, the book. We're but, gonna jump around. I mean, Missy and I talk about this all the time and I'm really relieved to see it's not just a stay at home mom thing yeah. where so much of us try to start those friendships with that. Well, what do you do? Like, you know, we meet someone uh, at a party or at a whatever. And so what do you do? Which yeah. is just the shittiest question to get asked <laughs> when you have no income and like you checked all your career skills at the door 10 years ago. And so... <laughs> I go off on a soapbox on this about every 10th episode, how we are going to revolutionize the school pickup line, because that is seriously where we all just talk about, like, what did you pack in the lunchbox? You know, which so which field trip are yeah. you going to? Have you had this teacher? How's your kid doing with this? It's all about the kids. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. all about the kids. And we never talk about ourselves. And I think we've even talked about we're like, we're going to do like a great big list of all these things that you can ask instead of what do you do? And then we did not do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm glad we didn't do it because it would not be nearly as good. There's literally 20 pages at the end of this book. Yeah, um, we're just going to point people there. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> um, so I'm just curious, like the feedback that you've heard from the groups you run and just in your own life, are yeah. there any top questions that have led to the most interesting conversations or to interesting friendships? Yeah, yeah. Um, I love questions, as you may uh, be able to tell. Yes. Um, and some of my favorite questions that I think spark kind of surprising depth of conversation are like insightful conversation. One that is in that category is what's in your tabs, like on your computer, what's in your tabs? Oh, yeah. Because if you want to know where someone's mind has been lately <laughs> or like what's really present and top of mind yeah. in their life, it's probably the things that they are leaving open in their browser. Um, and it's also a bit of a confessional because it's like, oh, my, what are you looking at? <laughs> what are you yes. doing on the internet? <laughs> so that's kind of a, a fun. What's in your private one. window tabs? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, another one that I think um, has sparked a really beautiful conversation I think about a lot with a friend of mine is what's something about the natural world that fascinates you? Or tell me about a time when you felt awe in nature. Oh. And that can really spark really beautiful reflections as well. Um, if you want to go deep, you can say, you know, if you could change one decision in your life, what would it be? And um, something else that's kind of lighter, not not in that deep, <laughs> deep category, but like, what's a boring fact about you? Like, I really don't like the question, what's a fun fact about you, um, yeah, particularly in group settings, because it can get really competitive. And then you have to like have a cool mm -hmm. thing to say. It's like my mind is blank when someone asks me for like, what's a fun fact? But I have tons of boring facts. And I think the boring <laughs> facts are where we see each other's humanity and we actually are yeah. very relatable. And so what's a boring fact about you? That's one. I oh, my gosh. I love that. One of our guests, and I do this every time. I can't remember which guest. And we have to go track it down. But she was saying, like, in Europe, no one says, what do you do? Yeah. Nobody asks that. If you're mm -hmm. in a social setting, they're like, where's your favorite hike? What did you do today that gave you joy? What are you? How are you spending your time in a more, in a deeper sense? Not yeah. how do you spend your time earning money, but what is your favorite thing to do outside of your job? Yes. And I think we're just culturally, we are so wrapped up in what people do. I yeah. know. I know. It's, it's one of my least favorite questions. And it's one of the reasons why I included it in the Better Conversations calendar that we talked about earlier, because mm -hmm. I was like, we need a month of alternatives to this question. I like do not like this question. I have never liked this question. There, there are better conversations we could be having than just like, what do you do for money? Like, it's invasive, yeah. actually. Like, yes, I don't know. it <laughs> is. And I think that that part, that what do you do for money, the for money part is really key because that is that's what we're doing to live, not how we're spending our life. Right. And for some people, it is definitely intertwined. But I think we're trying to go beyond that and reach outside of that a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We wanted to talk some about the RSVP and Vanish. Oh, I'm so guilty. Uh, I know. Well, I have been thinking, so I have been thinking about this even before the book. There is a trend and everybody knows I spend too much time on TikTok, but there's a trend going around TikTok where people are saying when you have protected your space and your boundaries so much that you now have two friends and you're in bed by 9 p.m. <laughs> and so I really relate to that because Suzanne and I have been working hard for a couple of years to set boundaries and understand what boundaries are. But we've been there. We've been on the receiving end that feels terrible, but we're also worried, are we creating 
some vanishers in this idea of reclaiming our time. And for Mm -hmm. listeners who haven't read the book yet, you can probably tell from the term RSVP and vanish what it is, but it's basically, so you send out a thing a week in advance or whatever, and like, hey, we're all going to go out. And you think everybody, you know, 10 people are on board, but then the day of you start getting these texts like, sorry, you know, something came up or, oh, I'm just not really feeling it tonight or there's an emergency. And so, I mean, we've, we've all been on both sides. And it just, it feels gross on both sides in different ways. But I had to bail on a lunch last month and it just felt awful, but I needed to do it. So yeah, what is that balance of like having our boundaries and enforcing Mm -hmm. those, but also not being a shitty friend? And because I think (laughs) sometimes it is one of those things. And you know what? I was feeling it yesterday. I... I don't know. I've I've been complaining about my vertigo for the past month. It has now evolved into whenever I work on the computer and things are scrolling, I make myself mm. sick. Like I literally made myself oh sick the other night. And so I was supposed to meet up with my son's, his former third grade, second grade teacher, who I just adore, <laughs> bought a bunch of candy from his... Uh, his fundraiser that he was doing and I have not I have not seen her in years and I was so looking forward to it but I was feeling kind of gross and I was like do I don't I do I don't I and I just knew I was like if I do I'm gonna feel so great after it Mm. this is not a boundary that I'm enforcing it was more of just a Eh, do I want to just rest? Put the Which there's nothing forth, against rest. Yeah. I mean, rest is a good thing, obviously. But this was not rest to, it was no. I don't know. It was lazy rest. It wasn't restorative rest. Yeah. It was more of just like, it's too much effort to get in my car. Um, <laughs> and so I was, so, and I did, I went and we had a lovely coffee and caught up. And I, I did, I felt like re-energized the rest of the day because of it. So much more than if I had just like, stayed home or laid on the couch or just scrolled through Facebook. So yeah. Mm -hmm. What what do you see with people you work with along that? Yeah. Very, very great question. And super real. You know, I I think it's useful that there's been a resurgence and appreciation and awareness of the fact that we need rest and we need time alone and we need to protect our peace and all of those things. So important. I'm like in that train. I'm in the nap ministry. I'm in it. Yes. (laughs) Um, Oh, I love following that. I can't. We'll put a link to that. But also, you know, there's something here about respecting your friends, right? Don't RSVP yes if you know you are not going to follow through. Mm. I think it's important to be honest with yourself and to be honest with the people around you because we're not doing our friends a favor if in the immediate moment we're like, yeah, I'm going to do that thing. And we choose to disappoint them later. Like Mm. delaying that disappointment is not a favor to them. It's actually, I think, letting them down worse because first they get their hopes up and then you let them down rather than just being really clear up front with like, you know, I'm out of bandwidth and I'm not going to make it, but I would be happy to like share it with other people or spread the word if you want other people to come. Mm -hmm. Um, And so be honest with yourself and to understand like, it's okay to be clear up front about those boundaries and about what your time is. And then to the second point, you uh, mentioned Suzanne of like, am I just copping out? When I say, yes. oh, I need to stay home. That's a good one. Because one of the things that I have found, particularly in interviewing people for the book around awkwardness and avoiding awkwardness and being afraid of awkwardness, is that sometimes we will say we're doing something because like, oh, I need to rest. But really underneath that, there is a fear that if I go, I might feel awkward or I might uh, yeah. not know exactly what to say or or something that is outside of my control might happen. And I'd rather Mm -hmm. just avoid that. So I'm going to 
choose my rest. I'm going to choose, you know, scrolling Instagram. Like said. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to know ourselves and to be clear with ourselves too, when maybe we're making that choice and it would be better to, like you did, take like 10% more effort and go to the thing and you had a really lovely time. Yes. Yeah, and I was- that's really convicting as a introvert and awkward person. Like, I, just, like, <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I have failed on something or just flat out said no, just yeah. because I, I knew I wasn't going to be comfortable yeah. or, or I was afraid I wasn't going to be comfortable. I think I should say that because yeah. um, you never know things, things turn out way differently than you think they're going to, but oh. yeah. But I mean, I've, I've used this example a million times, but (laughs) Missy knows that the parking lot can be the biggest barrier to me. Like it literally can be like, we were going to be meeting at a different coffee shop than I've ever been at before. And part of it in my head was, I don't know where I'm going to park when I get there. I don't know how I'm going to find it. And literally I almost need to go through the motions of like the Google earth of, okay, if I park here, then I can get to it from here or there's the, this. And it's so crazy that that can be, that's my barrier. And I know that about myself. And I did recognize that it was kind of like a, oh, is it that I'm going to have to parallel park? And, you know, where is it going to be? And, you know, do I know how to do this meter? Do I need an app for it? And (laughs) so I know that about myself and I was able to recognize that. Same way. But I just encourage people to, as they're feeling that hesitancy, really dive into like, what, what is my sticking point? And I know, I know that that's mine. And it's taken what, two years of doing this podcast, Missy, for me to realize that that is my weird glitch in somewhere in my brain in a past life. I must've got lost a lot. I don't know. <laughs> but I just know. And, and you were a failed adventurer. Yeah, but I think about all the things I've missed out on because I was like, oh, I don't I don't know where I'm going to park when I get there. <laughs> so, I mean. Oh, I mean, my husband's the same way. And I think one of the things I've learned by living with somebody like that, not that I don't worry about that as well, but I, one of the things I've learned is that there is no shame in reaching out to someone else and saying, I've never been here. Have you been here? Do you have a recommendation? And people are nice about it because for years in my head, I was like, oh, I'm just going to have to figure this out on my own because it is so embarrassing to admit that I'm scared to drive to this place. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. People are really willing to help. People are really willing to help. You know, they're really nice. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, whether it's a, a concern about transportation and figuring out the parking, which can be such a nightmare sometimes, or whether it's. Um, as you were sharing that story, I was thinking, like, how does this show up in my life? And like, I realized one of the things for me is like around food, (laughs) like around if I'm going to be hungry, Mm -hmm. um, because I have low blood sugar. And sometimes if I get woozy, I get really weird. And so (laughs) um, one of the things I I learned was like, I need to eat a really good snack or a meal before I go to something, even if they say there's going to be food there and Mm -hmm. you get there and it's really like two pieces of broccoli and like some ranch or whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like, Sometimes to feel really ready to go somewhere, I need to like make my tummy happy and then Mm -hmm. I can show up and be in a good mood to hang out with people (laughs) rather than like stress about that, you know, need. Yeah. And it's just, and I'm sure that there's probably a hundred different reasons or little things that people use as, I don't want to say an excuse because it's legitimate. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a concern, Um, but it's just that one little barrier. 
to maybe going and doing something that would be that next step of building a meaningful friendship or meeting someone who could be a meaningful friendship. So yes. Oh, okay. So I told you I was going to be hopping around a lot. So we went to the way end of the book. Now we're going to go back to the front of the book. Um, Because you talk about being in the Bay Area, which is when you started to encounter some of these issues. And I lived in Seattle for 15 Mm. years. I don't know. And um and they have this ice nice in fact there was an article about it i'll see if we can link to it where they had this ice nice reputation where they were rated one of the nicest cities as far as like people will open the door for you or if you drop your wallet they'll like bring it to your house like (laughs) some nice (laughs) nice people but they will not let you inside their house or i mean i Mm -hmm. have friends that i was friends with for years i could not tell you what their living room looks like Mm -hmm. um even if you were to go do something together you might pick them up and they are, they're coming out the door to like meet you and get You're in your not car. Coming in. <laughs> like it is the weirdest thing. And like after moving to Texas, I was like, oh yeah, we were kind of weird. So can that be, a, <laughs> can that be a geographical thing? Yes, it can. And I can completely validate that experience. I lived in Seattle for almost eight years and the Seattle freeze, as it was called when yes. I was there, is a for real thing. Like, what is so it? Interesting. Yeah. It's a thing. It is a real thing. (laughs) And not only that, you know, it's not only Seattle. I don't just only want to be like, oh, like, let's like dump on Seattle. But like (laughs) cities and regions actually do have Mm -hmm. personalities. And this is a topic that's fascinating. You know, for a long time, like when I lived in Florida, for example, and then moved to Seattle, I was like, what is this? It's so different. People are not warm and friendly here. Um, Although there are, there are some. Yeah. And for a while, I thought maybe it has to do with the weather, right? When you, when I was living in Florida, like we're outside all the time. It's mm-hmm. hot. You don't have a lot of clothes on because it's 100 <laughs> degrees and more humidity. And so I was like, maybe people are just more open there because like they're literally more open. You're outside and your body is out a lot. Mm-hmm. And in Seattle, it's like there's a cold drizzle. I have to like stare at the sidewalk. I got to hunch mm-hmm. over. And yeah. maybe the cold is what makes people closed off because our bodies are in a position all the time of holding and closing in. Yeah. And then... When I was researching for the book, I found another really fabulous book that if, if listeners are interested in this topic, I highly recommend. Uh, it's a book called Who's Your City? And it's by Dr. Richard Florida. And what they did in the book was him and a bunch of psychologists and analysts used these huge data sets of psychology information and regions to find clusters of where people with certain kinds of personalities tend to gather. And Ooh. so it, it's not, it would be too simplistic to say that a whole city has a single defining yes. personality trait. Obviously, right. people are different. There's all kinds of people everywhere, but there are absolutely clusters. And that is so fascinating to read about. So for example, you mentioned the Pacific Northwest, right? Which ranks really high for introversion. And that might be part of the ice uh-huh. nice thing. Um, uh-huh. And in the Bay Area where I am now, it ranks really highly for creativity and openness to experience. Also introversion, but it ranks really low on things like beauty or valuing social capital. And so what we end up with is like a place where a lot of innovation happens, but people are not necessarily the most neighborly. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also an extremely transient area, which is another thing that leads to Ooh, feeling yeah. like is what is the neighborhood vibe here? And it's like, I don't know, every six months it changes. Yeah. And so that can affect that. Um, the Midwest, as we all know, like the Midwest has a personality for being really nice as well. Yeah. And it ranks really high on traits like duty, conscientiousness, being agreeable is a trait that clusters highly in that region. And so if someone's listening and they're like, wow, I'm I'm planning to move to a new city, where should I move? You might want to think about if you don't feel like you fit in with your current city, 
think about what are the yeah. traits that you have and the traits that you value in others. Yeah. And then check out this research. Um, there's a whole list in the back of the book where they actually show by region and by city, like how they rank. And it is really fascinating because the place that makes you happy might be the place that has the clusters of traits that you tend to value most highly. So um, oh, that, that is, is so super nerdy research. Cool. Um, it I is recommend. so cool. <laughs> and really speaks to like knowing ourselves too. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Well, that do that is it. I mean, you really, again, back to your core values and stuff. Well, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm referring to like 10 episodes ago. Again, from then, 10 episodes ago. But, but we always talk about values. <laughs> like, if you don't know yourself, you could never, you could read that book and be like, this does not help me. Like, you have to know how you relate to the world and what it is you're looking for and yeah. what, like, what yeah. matters to you. Yeah. yeah. I think that's. Well, yeah. So along with, you know, my Seattle experience layer on top of that new mom, um, just crazy loneliness and isolation yeah. when mm -hmm. my daughter was crazy. really young. And I got to the point where we had moved to this neighborhood in Ballard. So you, I'm going to say Ballard because you know where that is. So I know where that is. <laughs> Ballard. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm tired of not knowing neighbors and stuff. And this is going to be our forever home. It lasted about four years, but <laughs> with the time it was going to be our forever home. So I went and took plates of cookies and an invitation to a holiday party, literally to like 30 houses. And I think about five families RSVP'd and showed up mm. and another one RSVP'd and they weren't going to be able to make it. And she actually ended up being one of my best friends uh, because she was having a baby at the time. So she did not, oh. she did not show up. Um, but, and even one guy, as we were bringing the cookies, it was me and my daughter, like we were in a little wagon of cookies. And he like did a U-turn when he saw me and went back in and closed the door. So I was like, okay, <laughs> enough of this stuff. I decided not to give up. And when we moved to Austin, literally, we we're like, we are going door to door. Like, it's not, we're not dropping off cookies. Like, they have to look us in the eyeballs if they're going to reject us. And we did, we just started going door to door and be like, hello, we've moved over here. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and, and again, geographically, we got two doors down and we met some of our, who ended up being some of our best friends. They were like, come on in, we're having barbecue tonight. Like, just, it, it's like, I've now seen more of your house than I've seen, you know, of all my friends back in Seattle. So, yeah. but like, how do you give up? If you're the person who is trying, <laughs> always trying, and, you know, you get the five RSVPs from 30 people and people are, you know, RSVPing and then not yeah. showing up, whatever. Like, how do you keep going? How do you? <laughs> yeah. Do you well, what up? I think what your story illustrates, Suzanne, is that it's not personal is completely not personal. Like, how can no. it be personal when these people don't even know you? That's you know, right. the dude who turned, did the U-turn and went mm -hmm. back in his house, like, that has a lot more to do with him than you because yeah. he didn't even know you, right? That's so, true. You, you know, oh, my God, it's taken me like 20 years to come to that. that yeah. I still, no, I still was taking that personally until right now. You're right. That was his issue. <laughs> it's a whole yeah. thing off your chest right it now. Like you're, you're, oh you don't need really to carry that it. anymore. Let it go. <laughs> and, and the other thing too is like, if one thing doesn't work, maybe you try another. So I'm thinking about like one time I, I lived in an apartment building and I tried to get people to come out and, and hang out and it like didn't work. Right. But then I moved to another place and living in a neighborhood and uh, similarly, like just put a few invitations on the front doors of like the closest places and was like, hey, like we're going to have muffins and lemonade. Like, 
come literally hang out on the sidewalk. Yes. And like people came, right? They didn't come for the muffins and the lemonade. That's just a show of hospitality. They came because they wanted to meet the other people there. And they were like, who else lives here? No one has ever done this before. No one's ever invited us to talk to each other. And so yeah. if you extend an invitation, you never know. Like it might be the thing yeah. that people who've been there for years kind of wish for, but aren't going to get up the motivation or the energy or the courage to do it themselves. And it takes courage. It really does take courage really to extend does. an invitation and put it out there, but it really can change your life. It can change the lives of the people around you. Um, try not to be frustrated if you don't get that reciprocation back. They may not throw a party and invite the whole neighborhood to come. You know, yeah. it takes, I think it takes this kind of special person who's willing to do that. But I think also when we're specific and generous, people are drawn to that. People are drawn yeah. to that. So one story that I think of that I love happened during the pandemic and it happened actually here in, in San Francisco. And it was a guy named Curtis Kimball who felt like his neighborhood vibe had really taken a nosedive during the pandemic. Like it was really not close and people were like, ignoring each other, avoiding each other. And he, uh, I think he's a chef or something. So he just hung up flyers that were kind of funny, like a joke on the, on the telephone poles that were like, my wife says I need friends and I don't know how to make <laughs> friends, but I know how to make pancakes. So I'm going to make pancakes from 10 to 12, the corner of Da Street and, and this other street. Come on out. Oh and my God. 75 people came. I 75. There was like a line it. down the block and like, kids dancing in the street. Like it was just this joyous thing. And he's like, I'm just going to give away pancakes. And oh. so like, you can be quirky, you can be creative, you can be yourself. And people are, will usually jump at the chance to come. That yeah, is I feel really so convicted cute. to do something in my neighborhood. We used to be really tight, mm -hmm. but I do think the pandemic changed some of that. The ages of our children have changed. Mm -hmm. People have moved. Yeah. Our big ringleader of neighborhood activities moved. Mm. Um, it just, but the pandemic really did oh, yeah. just squash that. And yeah. um, I feel like we have new neighbors and one of the statistics in the book is 30% of people in the U.S. have never interacted with their neighbors. And I have to wonder if some of our new neighbors yeah. are in that 30%. Mm -hmm. And I would like to get back to how, I mean, our street just used to hang out together all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but since the pandemic, I mean, it's not that we're not outside, but we're outside doing our thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something else I just recently learned about that's so inspiring, it like made me kind of misty, was um, there's this thing called Porch Fest. It's been going on since 2007. It started in Ithaca, New York, and it has spread to over 150 cities in the country where a community gets together. It's all volunteer run, and they agree to offer up their porch or their front lawn for musicians and bands to play on. And on a certain afternoon or through a weekend or whatnot, all these musicians will just like play music at different houses front yards or front steps or whatever and like kids will make lemonade stands and you just walk around and listen to music and meet people and it happens all over the place and even if your neighborhood doesn't have one you can organize one or you can field trip to another neighborhood and go to theirs <laughs> gonna go hang out uh -huh. in a better neighborhood <laughs> oh my god and i know oh you gosh. know i want to have one and seattle used to do that i think other cities do that too it used to be a 
there was a certain night of the year, a neighborhood night out. Night out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. National, and, national thing. Yeah. And it's, I think actually it was, I just realized it was a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe missed I missed it. it. I missed <laughs> it. Oh, well, next time. It was a couple of weeks ago. But so, okay. So say we do do a neighborhood night out or you got the band out there. The people are coming by for the lemonade. Like, how do you then take that little single dose interaction and build off of that. I mean, do you hand out business cards or like, <laughs> this is my friendship right, business card. Right. Like how do, <laughs> how do you then turn, take that to the next level? That's a great question. You could make a friendship business card. There's really nothing stopping you. You could be like, Hey, I want to make friends in this neighborhood. If you want to reach out to me, here's how. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's also ways. So I think about one space I've been to that does this really quite well are meetups where they don't necessarily want people to only talk on that one occasion and then never communicate again. And right. so there will be generally towards the end of the event or whenever in the middle, some kind of clipboard going around that's like, if you like this and you want to get together again with these same group of people or whatever you want to be reached out to when we're going to do more stuff, write down your name or your email or your phone number or your whatever it is, contact information you're willing to share. And then it's an opt-in, right? It's an opt-in. Yeah. So people can say, yeah, I would love to talk to you again. I would love to hang out again and readily open to, to being contacted. And so that kind of thing takes away some of the mystery of like, mm -hmm. oh, can I talk to you? You know, you don't have to do it one by one. Yeah. You know, if you're willing to make like an email thread with a bunch of people's emails on it, generally people are like, yeah, sure. Tell me about stuff. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love that idea. Yeah. And yeah, then we follow talk about up. Meet up a lot and then forget <laughs> like Suzanne and I haven't done it. Yeah. Like we we preach about it, go do a meetup, but that's a great suggestion. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I've got so many more things that I wanted to talk no. to you about. So now I gotta pick my favorite one. <laughs> because we only have a couple <laughs> more minutes before look, listen, learn. But let's see. Okay. Oh, I want to talk about microdosing friendships, but y'all are going to have to read the book. You got to go yes, buy the book you so you can find out about that. Because I mean, microdosing friendship, that sounds interesting enough to go buy the book just, just to learn about. Totally. Like, incorporate that in your life. But I do think that so much of like why we are not nurturing the friendships we have and why we are not feeling like, you know, we have space in our room to bring new friends in is busyness. And we mm. talk about we're so busy and don't have time. Word. And I love that the book used the example of Nixon. We had a whole episode, uh, episode number six, which I just, so good. I just discovered last week was, I, you must have listened to it on your computer because for some reason, all of our services decided to cut off episodes one through 10. So I'm very just gone, but I found them. They're back, they're back. <laughs> if anybody's been yeah, looking I listened for them, on the website. Back. It was a great episode. Oh yeah, Olga, and I Olga is awesome. And this idea of Nixon, which is you know, doing nothing on purpose, basically. And so that's just one of the many ways to banish busy. But you had also mentioned this idea of using a time use assessment to actually get a handle on like, are you busy? Like, really? So can you just uh, wrap up our conversation with like, okay, yeah. that let's take that one more excuse off the board. Yeah. So the time use assessment, uh, which I provide a guide to in the book. It's sort of like having a couples therapy session with your phone and your phone's <laughs> digital wellness stats. It's like, let's talk about what's happening in this relationship. Mm. And if you get clear about how you're using your time. So on my phone, I use the digital wellness app. Most of our phones have some kind of tracking thing like this. It's quite sobering to look at when mm. you add up the minutes of how you're spending your day. And so when you, when you literally just sit down and put it in black and white on a piece of paper, things get extremely clear. 
So for example, if you spend one hour a day on social media, which sounds like a lot, but it actually happens very quickly. You go on to check for five minutes and then 30 minutes go by, not even thinking about it. If you do that five times a week over the course of a year, that adds up to 10 days, a little over 10 days, 10 solid 24 hour days, mind you. Think about doing that. And it seems kind of bananas, right? Gosh, um, I just you, got a little nauseated. <laughs> if you watch Netflix a couple hours oh. a day, say like mm. four days a week, maybe you watch a movie, two hours, right? If you do that for an entire year, that's 17 solid 24-hour days, 17 days straight of just staring at Netflix. Um, and that's, that's actually a, a very low estimate, according yeah. to Nielsen. Oh, uh, yeah. The average American watches say. five hours a day of TV, uh, which adds up to 77 days in a year. So when you look at that and you're like, how am I spending my time, whether it's TikTok or social media or Instagram or Netflix or whatever it is, if you don't like the facts about how many days a year you're actually giving to that stuff, then you can say like, oh, I want to change how I'm doing this. I have time actually to text my friends back. I have time actually to make a cute uh, invitation on Canva to invite my neighbors to something. That takes maybe 30 minutes. Maybe instead of going on Facebook for 30 minutes, you do that. Mm -hmm. And so you find the time because you have it. You're just using it in probably a different way. And when you notice those changes, you can make that decision a lot more with a lot more conviction because it's clear to you that you have that space. And there's a really great reframing here around how we use our time and how we use our life that I really like. I saw it the other day online. It's from Morgan Harper Nichols, who's uh, an amazing illustrator, artist, she does poetry. Like, it's amazing. And she had a post the other day about replacing the question, what do I want to do with my life to what do I want to do within my life? And it's just a nice reframing to think about, Mm -hmm. well, if your life isn't something that you like manipulate or move around that's outside of you, but it's actually something that you inhabit. And like, what do you want to add within your life? What do you want to do within your life? Mm -hmm. Then it's this more um, creative space to say, well, you can do you can, you can rest within your life. You can be invitational in your life. You can be playful in your life. You can be experimental within your life. And then it, it's, it just feels like this huge opening up. And so that's a nice reframing I think is useful to add when you've done the time use assessment. Ask yourself that question, journal on that, and see what yeah. answers come out. Oh, oh wow. That. It's very convicting and also inspiring and so simple. Yeah. Really, it just requires sitting down and being a little honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't know if I want to do that today, but I, I think I'll do that <laughs> tomorrow. Put <laughs> some time in your schedule. I don't know. I'm, I'm way too busy to do that. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm ready to be that honest with myself today. Oh, we know what our problems are. It's just a matter of doing something about it. For sure. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Sure. Oh, I love that. Okay, that's a beautiful place to leave it. But uh, actually, we is. need to let people know where to find you yes. before we jump into our look, listen, look. Yeah. So I am online um, a few places. I try not to be online too many places because I try not to be online too much overall. Um, my website is we should get together.com. People can subscribe to my newsletter there, which is the best way to keep up on events and, and news. And I also share friendship tips every couple of weeks on the newsletter. So subscribe there. It's free. You can cancel whenever you want. Um, also, right now, I just launched the 2023 Better Conversations calendar, which is available for pre-order. If you want to get that, I suggest you get your orders in quickly. It did sell out last year. Uh, and it is a full year of better conversation starters to use throughout the whole year to replace normal uh, small talk questions. Like, what do you do? Or like, where are you from? Or 
Yes. Who are you? But we can we can go more. We, we, we can go beyond that. We can, um, oh, I'm so excited for mine to come. I already pre-ordered last week, so I'm so excited. Yes. And folks can certainly invite me to stuff, whether it's podcasts like this one, or I'm also booking paid speaking events in 2023 and forward. I'm kind of booked out the rest of the year, but I would love to connect with you and uh, be of service in some way. Wonderful. Wow. We always say we're going to have people back. I think we're going to have like the next year of all the people where we need to have back. I think we could talk to you, Kat, for several hours. Yes. There's so many things we didn't get to dive into. But now it's time for Look, Listen, Learn. And yeah. our Look, Listen, Learns are a few minutes at the end of every show. We talk about something we're reading, watching, a new skill we're learning, a new product we're using. Um, and we do not like to put our guests on the hot seat. So Suzanne's going to go first. What are you up all to right. this week? Oh my gosh, I've been looking, I'll have to include a picture of this, um, looking at like a million Legos, because if people followed me back in my more blogging days, um, remember, gosh, almost a decade ago, I, I tried to give it a little cheerful title. It was called Lord Business Lego Camp. If anybody knows Lord Business from Lego, the, the from Lego, the Lego movie, movie, it's really like stuff to be together in their sets and so <laughs> so mm -hmm. my son had had like 30 lego sets that then got destroyed and put into this giant pile of you know our original 20 pounds of just miscellaneous Random legos. legos and he wanted to buy you know get a new lego set and i had had enough and i was like okay great you have a whole summer and literally we were doing like eight hour days for months reassembling these dang things. And so again, he wanted a Stranger Things Lego set. He has not touched a Lego in two years, but for some reason he needed to have this Stranger Things Lego set, set which is like $300. It's crazy. I was what? like, what? Who are you that you need a $300 Lego That's set? That's like a like, plane ticket. I know. <gasps> I was like, you know. Go to Lego Land. It's like you know how you can have three hundred dollars to buy Legos is to sell some of your Legos. So he had to put together this little. Oh my God, the whole it's our whole Peloton room thing, like the little workout area is just filled with Legos right now. But we spent, I think, about seven hours on Saturday shuffling through there and reassembling. And I did my like ROI at the end. <laughs> And I was like, we're going to sell that set for like $25. And I spent like two hours looking for, you know, this piece number seven, four, six, oh, five or whatever. God, that and sounds awful. Yeah. So Whoa. we put we put a couple of those together. And, but you know what? I, it's so funny. I kept on thinking it's the best, it's the worst of times or it's the best of times. It's the worst of times because it was, I mean, it's just the worst. Anyone who's ever done that. I stepped on so many Legos. It was just. <laughs> on a wood floor, but the Lego with your back. kiddo. But he did literally like every half hour, he would just be like, this is so fun. Isn't Aww. this the best? This is the best day I've had in a long time getting to hang out. And so I was just like, that is just the best. And so, I mean, $25 for uh, seven hours of work is not really great on a, <laughs> as far as like what I was getting paid per hour, but yes, it was priceless. And so yes. there's, that was what I've been looking. I mean, I literally can see them when I close my eyes still. <laughs> And same thing, I can hear them. My listen has been the sound. Anybody knows that sound. I Ugh. was kind of traumatized yep, from Lord Business Camp. Just, yeah, it's just that. Mm -hmm. But then my learn is much more, is much more motivational. Um, and it really could be a whole episode. So y'all probably remember uh, Shelly Hayes McMahon, who we had on, it was episode 63. She brought on Crystal Mason, the woman who was charged with 
what was voter fraud voter fraud because she had voted um not knowing that she was not eligible to vote actually it was a provisional ballot she did not even vote it was provisional she didn't even vote yeah Yeah. anyway i could get go listen to that episode. it's all about racial voter suppression voter intimidation we got some serious elections coming up here in texas don't fuck with me about it like just get Uh out there and vote y'all uh but anyway Shelly, being the lovely person she is, uh, texted on Friday just to check in. And I was talking about this this job that I'm interested in applying for and, you know, dusting off my resume, which I had not done since like 2017. And it's a whole different job. Like my job before was like marketing, advertising, Apple, Disney. And now it's like sex ed, you know, and it's so it's just every job that I talked about before is like burk, off the resume. Now it's all my informed parents of Austin stuff. And I was just getting overwhelmed with my resume. And she was like, can I gift you the resume services of my friend, Dr. April Willis, who we need to have on the podcast, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I just could not believe that after two years of interviewing like inspirational women, career coaches that you know are talking about how valuable we are and that we are worth investing in mm-hmm. the fact that I didn't even think of paying someone to just take that resume off my plate and mm-hmm. I I am not gonna let Shelly actually pay for that but the fact she made me remember my value by mm-hmm. knowing that she saw enough value in me to be like let me just pay for this for you so you can you know you have a fighting chance again in this job so mm-hmm. it's just a reminder i mean we do these interviews y'all listen to these interviews every week and sometimes it takes another kick in the butt from a friend um, to remind you that we are worth it and there's no shame in hiring a professional to do what they do i'm not a resume writer let someone right. who can do it in like a fraction of the time just do her job and so yeah yeah that's my learn it's my reminder learn for the week yeah, your relearn yeah my relearn what about you cat yeah i love this segment and my look would be it's funny i i did something the other day that i haven't done in a while which is to just go on a photo stroll where I go to a neighborhood I've never been to before. And my goal is to like notice, like look around, notice the things and take some nice photographs and share mm-hmm. them. Oh, and so that. it was really, really fun and really playful. It's like a, a cool thing you can do by yourself. You can do with a friend, you can do with kids. Is like, look around you and notice what is here. And it was truly just delightful, the things that I saw. Like there was, a, somebody had a whiteboard nestled in their garden, like in front of their house. And it had, they would, it seems like maybe they just write jokes on it. The joke they had written down was, I told my friend about capybaras and she says, oh, so they're guinea pigs, <laughs> which if you don't know what a capybara is, yep. Google it. It is like, a, it's the largest guinea pig in the world. It's like 150 yep. pounds. Anyways. Um, and like, I wouldn't notice that if I wasn't intentionally being like, let me look at the world. Let me just yes. use my eyes and see what I what I can find here. And there were like little things like there was a sculpture like peeking over the side of someone's fence of like a little man made out of wire. And there was, I love when people make little dioramas with like toys oh, yes. in the yard. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's like Captain America and a little horse and a little pony. And like, it's, <laughs> I just love that kind of thing. So yeah, just look, truly just look at the world. Do a, do a walk, go to a new neighborhood. If it feels like you already seen everything in your neighborhood, it's, you're kind of like, it's a blur. Um, yeah. Do that. Feel alive, feel in the world. And then my listen would be, I just started listening to a new audiobook. I love audiobooks. By the way, my book is on audiobook if you want to do that. 
I want to make sure I get the title right. So I'm going to look at it. I just started listening to it over the weekend and I really am loving it so far. It's called Divergent Mind and it's by Janara Nerenberg. And uh, yeah, it's about neurodiversity and more expansiveness. And I'm, I'm very interested in listening to that. That's also, I guess, part of my learn, but I have a different learn, which is something I love to do in my free time is to sew. And I, I like to make clothes. I sometimes just wing it. I just like make it up, but I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about sewing lately and learning proper techniques for how to do things (laughs) like put a lining in a shirt or like do zippers or whatever it might be. And it's it's just delightful. (laughs) Oh, cool. I love to watch videos (laughs) like that. And I don't, so like I can watch, <laughs> I love to watch people craft. Yes. I like to watch them bake. I like to yes. watch them. So I, maybe I should stop so much watching and do some doing, maybe. but it's really soothing. It is so relaxing. Yeah. yeah. And it's very inspiring if you do want to do that thing. Um, yeah. And it's just nice to know, like you can go back and pause and replay. And, and I've done that a number of times with some of them. I'm like, how did she do that again? Yeah. And it's just magic to me to make things by hand. Uh, I tried to learn how to crochet that way. Yeah. I made the mistake of buying this little, it's a cute set of like Star Wars characters that you do that Aww. little cute crochet mm-hmm. character building with. And I figured it was in the toy section at Costco. It's like, well, certainly this must be easy. I've had those things that for sounds three hard. years. It is so hard. I think I have like a quarter of one character's head. <laughs> I need to watch. Some yeah. I tried videos. to teach myself to knit that way. And I just kind of got to a point where I was like, I don't understand. Like, I need to do the yeah. slow down yeah. pause. I need to just dedicate some time to it. Yeah, thank goodness yeah. for the pause. Oh, I love yeah. that. Have you made anything new from it? Yeah, actually, I made, um, I did learn how to put a proper lining in a shirt, which was like a big deal. Because for years, I was just like winging it, making it up. And like, anyways. I don't know if any I of have... my shirts have linings. What? Well, it's just nice. Because some of the fabrics I like to get, um, they're kind of thin. Uh-huh, which yeah. doesn't work in the Bay Area where it's often foggy. Got and so it. an extra lining layer actually makes it a bit more cozy and, and more oh. warm. And so um, so that's one thing that I did is I made a nice like kind of lined, you know, just like a short sleeve shirt. Yeah. Um, like boat neck is a very easy thing to sew because it's like no collar, no zippers, no buttons. <laughs> Ooh, These are simple okay. things. I, I'm working yeah. up to, to Still, I'm so doing impressed. this zipper project. Yeah. Yeah, the one cool. sewing class I took that they sent me home and were like, thank you for me. Maybe don't <laughs> <No>. return. <laughs> Seriously. I need to find out if my mom still has that shirt for the longest time. She kept it just, I think when she needed a giggle, she'd pull it out of her closet and be like, I can't believe you made this. <laughs> oh my god! You gosh. can do it. It just takes time. It just takes practice. It just takes practice. Yeah. yeah. I always make a little doll version before I start is I make a little uh-huh. mini version that sounds even a harder. small amount of fabric <laughs> to make sure I know what I'm doing. And then I make the big right. version. That's, that's genius. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, I got pretty good with the sewing machine when I was making like 100 masks a day at the beginning oh, of the yeah. pandemic. I got, mm-hmm. oh my God, oh, yeah. I need to get rid of this pile. It's like all our old clothes that we would turn into masks for like nurses and stuff. Yeah. I have many of your hand-sewn masks that's before right. they told us to like, they're like, yeah, the, we couldn't. I know. Yeah, and we like couldn't that. find the the actual surgical masks mm-hmm. at first. Like, yeah. I'm so glad you did that in the min, like in the between time. I'm yeah. sure it did nothing. It probably like actually exacerbated the germs and trapped them in there. <laughs> <laughs> Made us feel better. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, we're running a couple minutes later. You Do you have time for Missy's or you can jump off if you need to? Go for it, Missy. <laughs> All right. So my thing I'm just started reading is called See You Later Ovulator. Ooh. <laughs> Book for women in menopause. Um, I just... The title got me and a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Suzanne and mine recommended it. Um, so I just started it. So I don't usually recommend things if I haven't finished them, but I am enjoying it so much already that I thought I would share it. It just arrived in the mail yesterday. Oh, that sounds um, good. So, and then I've had a sick kid. So my learn is flu season is hitting really early this year. Yes. Mm. Uh, they said at the doctors, like 80% of the people they saw last week had the flu. Wow. It's half of our swim team is out. I've heard half the football team at school has it. So take precaution. That's my learn. Go ahead and do whatever it is you do to prepare for flu season. Get your mm -hmm. shot and stock up on the meds you need and be aware. Ugh. And maybe bust out your masks again masks. if you're going to be in public places. Um, it is out. And because I've had a sick kid, uh, I had some downtime the last couple of days. So I watched, I'm so embarrassed, <laughs> I watched The Midnight Club on netflix which it's the, one of mike flanagan's horror series but they're not really horror they're just kind of creepy he did the haunting of hill house the haunting oh. of bly manor midnight mass didn't you watch midnight mass suzanne i did watch midnight mass oh my god same i almost guy. forgot about that yeah same guy every fall they release yeah, something creepy. that's just kind of creepy yeah so midnight club is sort of a stranger things wannabe it feels like okay. it's a group of kids but Anyway, it was an easy watch for a couple of days and not scary. Just weird. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. Weird. My husband travels too much for me to watch too many scary things. Yeah. There's scared. a couple jump scares and a couple like, there's a whole situation that still the show ended. And I was like, what were those creepy people? Like, why were they there? <laughs> I don't know why they were there. <laughs> so they, maybe they wasn't just paid special of effects for all the people and just wanted yeah. to use them. I'm like, who exactly were they? Anyway. Oh. Oh my so goodness. that's what I've been watching. I don't know if I'm recommending it or not, but mm -hmm. if you're looking for a spooky, Mike Flanagan has a new one. There you go for Halloween. All right. Well, well we need to get you off to your next. Yeah. Get you off to your call. It was so nice to meet you. So great to meet you too. Thank you so much for having me. This was delightful. Oh, well, and Absolutely. thank you for helping build friendships out in the world. I mean, so important. what important, important work and so generous of you to share all your knowledge. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Have a great day, y'all. Right. Take care. Okay. Bye, bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you know someone else who could benefit from today's episode, be sure to share it with them. Also, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in the show notes over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, you can find us at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. You can find links to the group, all of our socials, and our questions and comments section over at our website, momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you so much. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.